6. Ephesians chapter 6. From verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins get about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So that, you know, when it talks about your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the classical idea is maybe somebody who is going about preaching the gospel. But that's not what this is talking about. We are all, we are to preach the gospel. It is important. But here, it's an ammo. So what's he talking about? The preparation there is, it means you be established in the gospel of peace. That you have to be established in the gospel of peace. Last week, okay, recently, on a, I went to minister somewhere and um, so a gentleman had a problem with his back and so I was ministering to those who needed healing so he came forward and he received his healing when he was sharing his testimony here's the thing he said he had gone for some meeting maybe about a year plus and the somebody ministered to him prophetically and they told him that they they told him they the person told him that they they wanted to put um, a back problem on him and it would get to the point where he would not be able to walk so that was the prophetic word that he received in the meeting and Surely, according to the prophecy, shortly after, he began to have very intense back problems. Now he could, he could now see himself getting paralyzed. That's not the gospel of peace. You know. Anyway. So, it's, it's I thought about it. It's important to cream what you hear. Yeah, it's important. It wasn't that, of course, in God's word, it says scripture is profitable for rebuke, correction, doctrine, all those things. But this was not, you know, this was just telling him what they planned doing to him. And surely, they were going about doing it also. So maybe all that he got was he became afraid or whatever it is. Anyway, so here he's talking about being established. So you have to be established in the gospel of peace. Yeah, like having sure footing. You have to be established in it. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. 
Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, all that Paul had been talking about from Romans 1, 2, 3, all the way, he says, all that is laying the foundation for this that having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this has to be something that is clear to the believer. The believer must understand this clearly, that he has what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans 10, verse 15. And how shall they preach? except they be sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. It says they preach what? The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Okay. The gospel of peace. So this is important. Every time the Bible refers to the gospel as a gospel of peace course is also the word of faith which we preach okay so it's called the word of righteousness here he's calling it what the gospel of peace so he says that those who preach it their feet are what beautiful and they preach the gospel of peace not just anything and like i said it's about having your feet established on the gospel or established in peace okay now let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached. Which gospel? The gospel of peace. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It says, the gospel was preached unto us as well as unto them. But the word that was preached didn't profit them because they did not mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. He says, God told them that. The people who, because they did not believe him, they would not enter into his rest. He said, the rest that God was talking about was not a day. It was a place. Because if it was a day, right in the book of Genesis, we are told that God ended his works on the sixth day. And then he rested on the seventh day. And he blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So if he was talking about the day, then he couldn't have said they would not enter into the day. Because all they would have had to do was to enter into a Saturday. And they would have been fine. But here he's not talking about a day. He's talking about a place. He said because they did not believe, they did not enter into the place. And that place, he said, is a place of what? Rest. So that's what he said that, as he said, I have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest. Okay. For he, good. Verse 4 explains. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So if he was talking about the day, then once they entered into that day, 
they would have entered the rest. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a day. He's talking about a place. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein. Okay? They must enter the place of what? Rest. And you enter that place of rest. You enter that place of rest by what? The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is what ushers you into that place of rest. Okay. Now let's go to... Let's go to Colossians 1.23. Colossians 1.23. Colossians 1.23. Okay. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, see, he's talking about being established in the gospel of faith. Grounded and settled, okay? And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. He said, another place, he said he had fully preached the gospel from Asia all the way. He said he had fully preached it. And which gospel is talking about? He's talking about the gospel of peace. He said that they should be grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Okay, grounded and settled, grounded and settled. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. When they had preached the gospel, what had they done? They had preached the gospel. Okay. And I've established that it is the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. It's the gospel of peace. Whatever gospel you are hearing, it must bring that word, peace. So let's go to Romans chapter 4 again. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had way off to glory, but not before God. This is, you have to hear this until it becomes your unconscious way, your default way of thinking. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had way off to glory, but not before God. For what said the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh 
is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. Now, when you look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, he said that the, the word that was preached to them, that was preached to us, was also preached to them. But what they heard didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. So, every time the word of God goes forth, there has to be a response. Faith is the response to the word of God. There has to be a response. Without that response, the word of God will be ineffectual. In the book of Daniel, the Bible talks about, he said, Daniel said he had been fasting and then on the 21st day, a man came to him. It was an angel. And when the angel came to him, the angel said, Oh, Daniel, a man greatly beloved. He said, because from the first day that you set your heart to understand, okay, he said that I was sent forth. He said, I have come because of your words. Not because of your thoughts, but I've come because of your words. So the response, the verbal response, is critical when it comes to mixing the word with faith. That's why the Bible says that angels, they excel by the word of the Lord. Who is the one speaking that word? It's not God. He has everything he, he has to say, he has already said. It's not God who is speaking that word. It is us. So it is when you speak that rhema that it causes the angels to excel by that word. For if Abraham were justified by works, he had went off to glory, but not before God. Verse 3, Romans 4. For what says the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was credited unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. He says the one who works, the reward isn't a matter of grace, but of works. When somebody works, you pay the person. You don't say it's a gift. You pay the person. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly. So this one is not trusting in his works, but he believes on who? The one who justifies the ungodly. His faith is credited for righteousness. His faith is credited. Again, it's the same where the logizomai, logizomai. And I said it's an accounting term that it says that Abraham believed in the Lord and it was credited to him for righteousness. Here it says the one who does not work but believes on the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited. The same way, logizomai. Credited as what? Righteousness. Okay. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. He says that God considered this person to be righteous even though he has not done anything righteous. So, he says David describes the blessedness of that man saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, he says that the Lord will not impute sin. Interestingly, the word here again is logizomai. It's the same word that is used that Abraham believed in the Lord. God credited it to him for righteousness. But now he's saying that the man is blessed. That man is blessed whom God would not credit sin. God would not credit sin. Now, why would God not credit sin? Now, if the person has not done anything sinful and God is not crediting sin to his account, then God is not doing that person any favor. The man has not sinned. So there's no, God has no business crediting sin to his account. But he says that the blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Which man? Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. 
It says that that person, even when that person sins, he said God has not credited to his account. That I remember the story of a, a man of God who was caught up into heaven. And he met Jesus. And he, when he met Jesus, he was, you know, taken in. He was so, like, over, oh, he was awed. And he said, he bowed down. He was waiting. He said, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for this. And I'm, I'm, sorry for, I'm sorry for that. And the Lord Jesus looked at him and said, I don't recall. And he was shocked. And the Lord said, I don't recall. Hallelujah. What does he say? He said that because I will be merciful unto their transgressions. And he says, that, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So that sin is not credited to the believer's account. That's why he says that blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Then he goes on to say, come at this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was credited, logizomai, 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 was credited to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then? He said, because there are people who would immediately say, well, that was Abraham. And um, then they'll try to limit it to the Jews because they have the circumcision and all that. And he says that at what point was that scripture written? When that scripture was written in Genesis 15, 6 and 7, Abraham had not yet been circumcised. So the, 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 the gift of righteousness did not come to him after he had been circumcised. It came while he was an uncircumcised Syrian. He says... And he received the sign. So it was a sign. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believed. He might be the father of all them that believed. Now he says that Abraham received that gift of righteousness and then he had an insignia in his body, which was the, the, the sign of circumcision. That Abraham would be what? He would be the father of everybody who believes. Both those who are under the circumcision and those who are not circumcised. Because at the time he was credited with righteousness, he was not yet circumcised. Then it says that, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Righteousness might be imputed unto them also. This is important because he keeps using that word over and there are so many times that word logizomai is used in this particular chapter. We've already seen about five of them. So many times. Almost as if God is trying to tell his people something. You know, I was discussing with someone today and we're talking about the, the Bible languages. You have Hebrew for the, and, uh, and Aramaic for the Old Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, only one book was written in Aramaic. One. Anyway, but... The, um, so it's Hebrew mostly and then the Greek for the New Testament and we found it remarkable that the Hebrew f- which was used to write the Old Testament that Hebrew does not exist now it's, the, that language has it, the, the modern Hebrew is almost like a totally different language from the original Hebrew it's almost as if God did not want anybody upgrading the language and the old Greek also, it's, nobody speaks that language now. It's completely like um, out of <laughs> circulation. Okay, So it's like God virtually, and we establish that when it comes to the Hebrew language, 
you know when God scattered their language in Mesopotamia or Babel or in, in Babel and they, they went helter skelter, Hebrew was not one of the languages. It was later on that virtually that language was God created that language for himself. So then he starts by talking about Abraham the Hebrew, you know. And so many people say that Hebrew is probably the language that is speak in heaven. It could be. We'll find out soon. Hallelujah. And it says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise, see, it was a promise. The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. Faith is made void. I've, I pay attention to certain things sometimes, but I've noticed, I recall years ago, I came across a book. Now, I do not recall whether it was the book that it was written in, or it was the, a video of the author. But she said something. She said, when she met her husband, she said the husband told her that he has a covenant of long life with God. And um, so she was saying that, you know, to encourage the young women, like, um, because that, she so was trying to say that their husband knew, like, had a covenant of long life with God. Now, she died. She died, I think maybe about 36. She, she, she died in a, uh, tragically. That was one. I, I have come across at least other instances that I don't want to talk about where somebody says that they, they have a covenant of divine health with God. Now, why am I talking about this? Anytime you find that something has been clearly written in the Bible, and they, the Bible says that the Jews, they setting aside God's righteousness and going about trying to establish their own righteousness have not attained to the righteousness of God. I recall that when I heard it already, that it, it didn't sit well with me. I just didn't, for some reason, I was not... I was very young in the faith. I had not read uh, Kenneth Hagin or maybe I had, I had read, I don't recall or whatever. But I, I was, it just did not sit well with me that what the person was talking about. Hallelujah. It says, the promise, it was a promise. The promise, the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. It was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. It was through the righteousness of faith. Abraham would inherit this thing once he became righteous. And the righteousness, he didn't earn it. He believed in the Lord. And the Bible says that was credited to his account for righteousness. For if they which are of the law be heirs, it says faith is made void. 
faith is made void. If they which are of the law be made heirs, he said, faith is made void. It means that faith has become useless. And the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath. The law worketh wrath. It, it gives, it, it puts, it works wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. He said, the moment you begin to engage yourself with the law, what happens? Wrath is activated. Okay. He says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Hallelujah. These are important things. Are there things that righteous, righteousness produces works? There are things that do as a result of righteousness. But those things do not take the place of righteousness. Righteousness is the mother of all those products. The Bible says the work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. It's the work of righteousness. Okay. It says... As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Let's talk about Isaac. Did Isaac sow? He sowed. The Bible says he sowed and he received a hundredfold. But why did he receive a hundredfold? Because the Lord had blessed him. The blessing came before the sowing. So once he was blessed, when he sowed, he received a hundredfold. If he had not sowed, he would not have received a hundredfold. But he was not blessed because he sowed. He was blessed because he was righteous. So he received the blessing and then he put the blessing to work. But the blessing was the source of the increase. Amen. Amen. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. It says, God said, I have made thee. And this is the remarkable thing I keep saying that the original Hebrew, the old Hebrew did not have future tense in it. There was no future tense. There was no future tense. That's why it's called the language of faith. (laughs) As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those, thi- those things which be not as though they were. As it is written, I have made thee, I have made, not I'm going to make, thinking of making you or planning on making you. I have made you a father of many nations. He said there was a problem, however. The problem was that Abraham's physical situation was incongruous with his the promise that he had received he said I have made you I have made you and yet the Bible says he didn't have any child okay so it says that against hope he believed against hope he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So when he, what he's talking about is that Abraham had been given a promise. But when he looked in the natural, it didn't look like he was going to fulfill that promise or that promise was going to be fulfilled. So in the natural, it didn't look like it was going to happen. So what did Abraham do? 
instead of Abraham to be carried away by his natural situation, it says that he focused on the hope that he had received. He focused on it. So it says, against hope, he believed in hope that he would be the father of many nations. And where, interestingly, where it says that he might become the father of many nations. So it was not something to attain. It was something to become. So the moment he became, everything manifested. It's like where it says the word became flesh. It's the same word, genomai. Okay, that he might become. He wasn't before, but God's word was able to make him into what he was not before. And I said, a blessing can make someone into what they weren't before. He says that, and being not weak in faith, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Said he didn't consider. He says that God is saying Abraham didn't pay, give attention to his own body. Kenneth Hagin talked about a time where he was having alarming symptoms in his body. And he was trying everything. But the symptoms seemed to be there. And then from inside him, the word came that consider not thine own body. Consider not thine own body. Meaning that don't pay attention to it. So the moment he took his attention off his body, every symptom left. And it was fine. He says, he didn't consider his own body, which was now dead. Now, there was nothing Abraham could have done naturally that would have brought this promise to pass. Absolutely nothing. It says that his body was dead, and his wife's body was also dead. There was nothing that Abraham could have done naturally. Naturally. The only thing he would have done, he would have stressed himself, he would have worried, he would have been anxious, but nothing that Abraham could have done that would have brought this to pass. So the Bible says that he did a wise thing. He considered not. He considered not. He took his attention off the natural issue and put his attention on what God had said. And the Bible says, when he did that, then he had opportunities. He said he had opportunities to, to shift or to vacillate. It says that he didn't take those opportunities. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Through unbelief. It didn't say he didn't stagger. It said he didn't stagger through unbelief. He believed what God had said. He did not consider his own body. He didn't stagger through unbelief. The Bible says that he was strong in faith. And how was he strong in faith? Giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. And sometimes, when you will find in the, the, because that's why you cannot take the Old Testament in isolation. You have to look at the Old Testament through the eyes of the New Testament. 
that's what tells you because if you just read genesis chapter 1 to chapter 20 you wouldn't really know how this thing came about you may not even understand abraham believed in the lord and then you just convince yourself that you believe in the lord but it's when you come in the new testament that it tells you that abraham he said that he was strong in faith giving glory to god so that's that was abraham's life so he's telling you how Abraham was, was living. He was giving glory to God. He thanked the Lord all the time. He knew that what God had said had come to pass. So he took his attention off of the physical problem and then gave his attention to what God had said to him. And so the Bible says that he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. Strong in faith. Giving glory to God. And says that he did this and continued it and he was, he kept doing it, he kept doing it until something happened. He says that he was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. He was fully persuaded. Hey, give me your attention. Stop talking to each other, okay? He stopped considering his own body. And gave his full attention to what? To what God had told him. And the Bible says, when he did that, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Unbelief. That is the, no, not devils, not generational cares, not whatever, any kind of thing. Unbelief. That's the only thing that could have stopped what God said from coming to pass. Like the Bible talks about Jesus. He says, when he got to Nazareth, he says he marveled at their, whatever was happening there, he marveled at their unbelief. The unbelief of Nazareth was able to stop Jesus' miracles. That was it. The unbelief of Nazareth. Of Nazareth. So it says Abraham did not stagger through unbelief, but was strong in faith. He was strong in faith. He kept declaring the word. He kept speaking the word. He kept confessing what God had said. That's why the Bible says that. He has said so that we may boldly say. He has said so that we may boldly say. What he said is not, it's not just written. As long as it is written in the Bible, it's not going to do you any good. What is written in the Bible is not going to do you any good. It is what is written in your Bible that is in your heart, that you are speaking through your mouth. That will accomplish what God has said. That's why the Bible says that he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. Giving glory to God. Now, it says that, and therefore it was imputed to him, again, logizomai. That word just features all over the place. Logizomai. I said it's an accounting term, means to credit. When you go to the bank, you want to make a deposit. So now you can use, put the money through an ATM. So you want to make a deposit. What happens when you go and do the, um, the, the deposit? You put maybe 100,000 in there. What do you expect to reflect? 100,000. So that's the accounting term. So that's, there's a reason why God put this here. Okay? Because you, you, we have to understand God's grace, God's mercy, and God's justice. Okay? God's justice. So that's why he says, being justified by faith. Being justified by faith. Okay. Now, say 
somebody's in need of some money and someone says, oh, I'll, I'll help you. I'll put the money into the account. And then they go there and they, the person puts the... Now, compassion moves that person and it goes to make the deposit of 100,000. So now that 100,000 reflects into the recipient's account. When the recipient goes to withdraw, he's not withdrawing as an act of mercy. He's withdrawing as an act of justice. The money has been credited into his account, so he has every right to make the withdrawal. Hallelujah. So this is why he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, he says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So now this peace is not something that God is dispensing discretionarily. Like, he feels like giving you some peace or he doesn't feel like giving you some peace. So that is not, he's no longer doing it by discretion. He's doing it as an act of his justice because you've been justified by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's why he talks about the work of righteousness to do what? Peace. So once you receive that righteousness, once you receive that righteousness, the whatever attempts it is yours. It's your right. Glory to God. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. For it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us all to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification or through our justification or because of our justification. Hallelujah. He says that all that Abraham received is available to the believer, the one who believes. So everything that Abraham received is available to the believer, to the one who believes. So that's why it says that to us also, to whom it is imputed, once we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So it's not by works. Hallelujah. It's not by works. That's why it says that lest any man should boast. Lest any man should boast. So the peace of God, that's why this is called the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. The Bible talks about the disciples, the apostles. He said, wherever they went there, they preached the gospel. They preached the gospel. What did they preach? This is what they preached. They preached the gospel of Jesus. They preached the gospel of peace. Glory to God. Now, when we talk about this peace, people's minds immediately go to truce. Truce. T-R-U-C-E. A truce. Nobody's throwing stones and nobody's throwing rockets and nobody's terrorizing anybody. Okay? But that's not what the Bible refers to. Okay? When it says peace, (laughs) again, God carefully chose the languages to put the scriptures in. Because the... Modern languages don't have the capacity. So when they are translating, they can only translate the, what they want, like, or what they can. They, because they cannot put so many words here. That's why the Amplified people also came. They came to, they want to use 10 words for one because they are there. But it's not possible to exhaust what the scriptures mean. 
Remember, the Bible says that every scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed. And then, when it says that it is God-breathed, it said it is profitable. God is the one who breathed the scriptures. Every single word was carefully chosen. It said, words which, not which um, man's wisdom teaches, but which are the Holy Ghost teaches. So these are specific words that God chose. So when it says peace, in the Greek, the word is irene. Irene. From where you, you know some people are called irene. It's, it's from this root, the root word here, irene. And the Septuagint of the Old Testament scriptures will tell you it's always shalom. In fact, shalom is not just something that is like an absence of war. Okay? But shalom includes a perfect state of health and wealth and well-being, Amen. preservation, protection. Everything is in there. Okay? Shalom, shalom. And usually that's how it is written in the, in the, in the Old Testament. It's always shalom, shalom. Okay, so it's so deep that it has to be, the, the word has to be repeated. Okay, so it's like when the spies came and said that the land is an exceedingly good, you know, exceedingly good land. It's meod, meod, good, good. That's, that's how in the Hebrew it's good, good. So when it says shalom, it's talking about, it says shalom, shalom. Like he said, you will keep in perfect peace. You know, the translators had to use, say, what can we use? They say, okay, write perfect peace. Because that's all they could think of. The word is, you keep in shalom, shalom. Okay, so he's talking about all-round well-being. All-round well-being. Hallelujah. All-round well-being. The Bible said, there shall no evil come near your dwelling place. Amen. And that's what the scripture says. So somebody will say that, is this possible? As long as you're in this world. And it keeps, the, the state, they are in that state because of the confession. Because of the confession. But here it says that God will keep him perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. He says, whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Hallelujah. So he says that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, when is... He says that we, we have peace with God. Like I said, it's not just that there's a truth that okay, God is no, no longer throwing his arrows at you and, or whatever it is. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a place of rest. Hallelujah. He's talking about a place of rest. There were seven kings in the Bible. The Bible said that the Lord his God had given him what? Rest. All around rest. Hallelujah. All around rest. So that's what God is talking about here. That's what he's referring to here. That being justified by faith, we have rest. We have peace with God. So is it possible to be in that place where everything falls into place? The Bible says yes. But then remember, he said that the word that was preached to us was the same word that was preached to them. But he says what was preached to them didn't benefit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with faith. But then we are told about Abraham who mixed what he had with faith. And the Bible says that all he did was he believed the Lord. And in fact, when he says he believed in the Lord, he said Amen, which is the very form of Amen. Okay, so he said Amen. 
when God finally convinced Abraham, <laughs> Abraham said, Amen. And the Bible says, when he did that, that was enough for the Lord. And then God credited it to him for what? For righteousness. Now, there's, it's possible to have rest in certain areas and not have rest in other areas until the revelation comes that you can have rest in these areas as well. So when you take the word, that's why Jesus said something. He said that, ask and receive and your joy will be full. So when you hear the word and you think, what about this area? I tell people that usually that's God bringing up that thing to you so you can speak to it or so you can do something about it. So when you see that image, all you do is what? You declare that, that the peace of God over that area as well. Hallelujah. Now how you go about it, it's not, you don't have to be dogmatic about it. You can simply ask the Lord to give you peace in this area. See, there's something about, can we like um, ask God because he has given us all things. It says, Jesus, the perfect son of God, he said, glorify me. He asked the Father. He said, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the foundation of the world. He asked the Father for it. So hearing or understanding the word does not put you in a place where you no longer can ask God for things. Jesus said that whatever things you desire, whatever things you desire, so he's aware that you will desire things. Hallelujah. He's aware that you will desire things. And he says that anything that you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive. He says that you will have it. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. So everything has been made available and you are free to ask for anything that you want to ask. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. But then you, have, you ask from a place of knowledge, knowing that everything has been made available to you. Someone says, he says, Jesus, pass the plate. <laughs> you know, when they want some specific thing or whatever, they ask the Lord to pass the plate. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, it's a relationship. It's not some legalistic thing. It's a relationship. What matters is that you have to believe, but it's called the gospel of peace. So what you hear must produce that rest. You must be at rest. Hallelujah. You must be at rest. I heard about a man who he was um, flying, flying a plane, and uh, he somehow lost contact with the ground control, and he had to do an emergency landing. I think it's either one of his engines or he was running out of fuel or whatever. It was a combination of things, and so he had to make an emergency landing. So the the, the voice came on through the controls and said, listen to me carefully and do exactly what I tell you. So he couldn't see. In fact, his lights were, his, uh, were off, his instrument panel, everything was off, so he didn't know where he was. Okay? But he had come into the area where he had to make the landing. So when he got to the place, it says, the, the, the voice that came to him said, now, Pull up, pull up, pull up now. So he could not see any distance because the, his lights were off, his panel was off, nothing. So he pulled up and he was 
almost going into crash land onto a, um, a highway. So he pulled up. Then the, the voice said again, listen to me carefully and do exactly what I tell you. He said, okay, now turn to the, to the, to the right. Begin to descend to this level. Touch, like, you know, approach. And the voice guided him and he landed smoothly. So when he landed, he was so, he was like, wow, thank God for this control tower. And um, they've, they've done a marvelous job in guiding him and everything. So he wanted to, he went up there to say thank you to them and everything. And he said, we lost contact with you for the past two hours. The control tower had not communicated with this man. God's angel was giving him direction, you know, showing him what to do. Do this, do that, do that. And guided him to land the plane. Hallelujah. To land the plane. And Jesus said something. He said, don't you think that I can ask my father for... He said that 12 legions of angels. He said, you will presently give me. Means we're ready. Presently give me. And that would have been the end of the salvation expedition. He said, I've had enough of these people. <laughs> and then the 12 legions would have come to <laughs> clear the Romans and all those people. And then that was the end of it. They've gone back to heaven. <laughs> that I tried. I tried for them. <laughs> these wicked people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God he didn't ask for the 12 legions. Glory to God. But the Bible says he took our place so that we can have his place. So he denied himself so that you will not be denied. Hallelujah. Amen. So that you will not be denied. And you can freely ask him. Hallelujah. Freely. Glory to God. Freely. Freely. So this place of rest is a place where there's, like Solomon said, there's neither food nor evil occurrence. Solomon didn't know what they said. Life is full of up and down. Solomon didn't know what that meant. If you were talking to Solomon, he wouldn't understand you. Hallelujah. Solomon would not understand what we're talking about. He would not know because he didn't experience it. <laughs> when he came, his father was a king. When his father died, he became the king. And as wealthy as he was, he ended up becoming wealthier and wealthier by the day. So if you tell someone you know, sometimes things can be difficult, you know, that Solomon will be wondering where planets are coming from. <laughs> so he enjoyed, he, he enjoyed the life. Hallelujah. There was neither foe nor evil occurrence. Never had one bad news one day. Hallelujah. Amen. Anytime his phone rang, rest. it was rest. Amen. All round rest. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All round rest. Glory to God. Amen. And why do we preach this? So that you can hear it and believe it. And that becomes your expectation. Amen. Hallelujah. That becomes your expectation. And once that becomes your expectation, the expectation of the righteous, the Bible says, will never be cut off. Hallelujah. It will come to pass. Glory to God. It will come to pass. Glory to God. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith. And Okay, so stay with verse 21. He says that they had taught many. They had taught many. So they preached the gospel and then taught the people. 
So this is a very important thing. Preaching the word and then teaching the word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then he goes on to tell them that they must through many tribulations enter the kingdom. Now, when the Bible says anybody who believes is saved. So once that person believes, he is in that kingdom. So what is he talking about? That they must, it means that they must ignore everything else and attain, like Paul said, to attain that for which I was apprehended. Or to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. Like he said to Timothy, he says what? To hold fast. Hallelujah. To hold fast. He talked about fighting the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold. But the man was saved. So why should he now lay hold on eternal life? Lay hold. It means that maintain your grip on it. Maintain your grip. And you maintain your grip by maintaining your confession. Hallelujah. Maintaining your confession. The Bible says that as you maintain your confession, you're like Abraham. He said he was strong in faith and giving glory to God. Hallelujah. And so that's what God's word is telling, telling us. He's talking about all round rest. That not only is it possible, but it is, it is the will of God for us. You know, and I said, John, John would know if Jesus, what John would know what Jesus wanted for the people. Don't you think so? John, he was about 16 years old when he followed Jesus. And he lived till he was close to about 100 years or plus or minus a few years. So he walked with the Lord and he knew. And he had preached, he was there in the council at Jerusalem when they were debating the entry of the Gentiles into the church. When they came together and created their own conditions for the church, to, uh, the Gentiles to follow and all those things. He was there and he had walked with the Lord. He, when Jesus told Peter to follow him, John was following behind. He was following behind. Peter said, what about him? Jesus said, it's none of your business. If I want him to remain until I return, it's not your business. You know, so the Bible says that this John walked with the Lord. That's why he called himself John the Elder. Okay. Now, he said to Gaius, he said, Gaius, he said, I wish above everything else. The word therefore which is pray, I pray. The word is I pray. So John's prayers for Gaius. Now, if somebody, and if, uh, you think somebody could pray for you effectively, John definitely can pray for you effectively. This guy was, he walked closely with the Lord. He knew everything. Even the disciples did not know who was going to betray Jesus. Only John knew. Only John knew. They didn't know. The rest didn't know because, you know, he was leaning on Jesus. And then he asked him, Master, who is it that will betray you? He said, it's the one that I give this talk to. When he picked it, the Bible says, John wrote it. He said, he gave it to Judas. Okay. The rest didn't know. If they knew, they would have stopped Judas. They didn't know that it was Judas. Oh, yeah. Peter had his knife ready. Like, they would have, they would have, they would have stopped Judas. But he didn't know. But John knew. So he was really close. When Jesus went up the mountain, John was there with him. When Jesus was dying, he, his mother, he handed her over to John. So he walked with the Lord. He lived like closely with him. And then he's writing a letter. And at the getting to the end of his ministry, and he's telling Gaius. He said, Gaius, I pray many things for you. But above everything else that I pray for you, above all, that you will prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. And that's what, in essence, is telling him, Gaius, I pray that you will have all-round rest. Hallelujah. All-round rest. That you'll be in a place where nothing shakes you, nothing troubles you, nothing worries you. 
you're in a place of stability. A place where you have more than you require. Amen. A place where everything you do prospers. Amen. A place where you flourish. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, above everything else, this is my prayer for you. Glory to God. So this captures the heart of the master. Praise the Lord. So this is so he, he, there's a reason why this is written for us. He says the things that were written are for our example. Glory to God. They are for our example. And then it says that to follow those who through faith and patience obtain the promises. Glory to God. And that's why when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about many di different kinds of people. There are many people that he talked about. Now, these people that he talked about, he, they, each of them had a different experience. And um, you have Enoch there. You had, well, you had started with Abel. Then you had Enoch. And then you had Noah. And then you had Abraham. And then you had Isaac and Jacob. And then you had Moses. And then you had David and Jephthah and Samson. You had all these people. Now, you find that each of them had, there were things that they were noted for. Okay? There were things that they were commended for. And then when you come to chapter 12, it tells you that in spite of all these people, there's a place of perfection. And it says that that place is in Zion. Where in Zion, there's nothing lacking. Hallelujah. Those who defeated their enemies, the enemies have been defeated in Zion already. They've already been defeated. There are no enemies there. Hallelujah. There is no sickness there. The people that dwell in Zion says, shall not say that I am sick. It says, because they will be forgiven their iniquities. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want you to stand up to your feet and begin to pray. And I want you to talk to the Lord about things that, areas that you want to see rest. Even as I've talked about, we talked about rest in the coming year. You are going to talk to the Lord about areas that you want to see rest. Things that you want to enjoy the rest of God in concerning your life. I want you to pray and talk to the Lord about it. And ask him that he will grant you rest in these areas. Even in the coming year. He will grant you rest. He will grant you rest. He will grant you rest. Begin to pray. 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 In the name of Jesus. Begin to pray. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus.